you're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Everything that has a beginning has an end. And if you think about your life, you think about the things in your life that have had a beginning, starting with life itself. If you think about school, relationships, the projects that you've started, the things that you have been engaged in, in jobs, ideas, work, some of the dreams that you have in your, in your heart, everything that is temporary has a, has a beginning. It has to start somewhere. And if it has to start somewhere, it is bound to have an end. Now, whether it'll end when you expire, whether it'll, it'll end when you breathe your last breath, or it'll end before that, it depends either on you or in the nature of that thing, the purpose of that thing that you have started. But everything that has a beginning that is temporary has an end. What happens is that many times things end prematurely. Things that are not supposed to end, end up Ending, whether they end on their, on their, themselves, by themselves or they are uh, uh, ended by circumstances, they end up ending prematurely. The branch is cut off before it produces fruit. The business is closed before it can turn a profit. The program is abandoned before it shows lasting results. Things end before they are supposed to end. And that's because between the beginning and the end, between the start and the finish line, there's the middle. And in the middle, things happen. In the middle, we see things that we weren't expecting. See, most of us can get excited about the beginning. We can also get excited about the end. We get excited about the beginning because we love the freshness, the newness. We love the expectation to start something. We love the new idea, engaging in something that we've never done before. And we like starting that. We like the beginning of it. And we can also get excited about the end, the anticipation of a good finish, the anticipation of uh, the results, the possibilities the, the you can imagine and picture yourself getting to that place, crossing the finish line, arriving where you are hoping to arrive, in the house, in the car, in the financial stability, in peace, in the relationship, in the success, in whatever area you're expecting, you can picture the end and get excited about the end. A few of us get excited about the middle. And really, how many of us spend time focusing and paying attention to the middle when we plan and imagine something. Few of us do that. I rarely have seen anybody being excited about the middle. Especially pregnant ladies or women who want to get pregnant. They get excited about getting the, the results. About, about, you know, seeing that pregnancy results say positive. And they get excited about the end. Holding that baby, cradling that beautiful child. I've never seen any lady say, I can't wait until people can't tell if I'm pregnant or I had a big lunch. Because that's the middle. <laughs> I can't wait until I get to week, about week 20, where I, I begin to lose my sense of like the, 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 the center of gravity right there. It gets messed up and you don't know how to walk. You know? 
There's not a lot of excitement in the middle. The same goes for, you know, financial planning. If you're in debt and you want to be debt free, you just want to be debt free. You don't get excited about being halfway. If you are saving some money to buy something, you don't get excited about getting half of the down payment. We get excited about the beginning and the end. We get in the fitness program. You get excited about the end, right? You want to see the washboard right here. You get some clothes and just, you know, you don't really get excited about the middle. You want to see the six-pack. You want to see the end. Never seen anybody excited about adolescence, you know. Can't wait till my voice cracks. Can't wait until, like, I'm not aware of my extremities and I just walk around and hitting things. That happened a lot to me, okay? There was a couple months there where I thought my hand was, like, here. And I would reach things and just drop cups and spill things and hit people. And because I had no idea how big I was. I was in the middle. I was in the middle. The middle is not as exciting. But the middle is essential. The middle is essential for you to have a successful finish. And that's why we start in this series today. That's why we're going to talk about the middle this month. Because many of you, you might be in the middle right now. The year started and you had goals in January. And you pictured yourself somewhere in December. And now you're looking at yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, it's July. Where has the time gone? You probably thought, man, I want to read a book a month this year. And you started one and you stopped halfway through. You stopped in the middle. You probably had some goals and you were looking now and you're going, my gosh, how am I going to finish it? Maybe you started the year with a fitness goal. I know I did. Started the year with the goal of losing 20 pounds. And I'm happy to report I only have 25 to go. <laughs> it's working. You got noticed that Chick-fil-A opened up, Shake Shack opened up, and messed up your game a little bit. Praise the Lord, God's chicken. Yes, those chickens died for a purpose, a mighty purpose. <laughs> the truth is that in many of your experiences, in many of your challenges, in many of the things that you will go through in life, you will come to a place between the start and the finish line, between the beginning and the end, that can either propel you to go forward, it can either push you ahead, or it can hold you and stall you right there. It can end your dreams and plans prematurely. It can cut off that awesome relationship that you were building. It can end the plan and the trajectory of your life where it was going. It can cut it short right then and there. The middle is essential. And maybe you're there right now. Maybe that's where you find yourself. You're in the middle of the year, but also you're in the middle of a project, the middle of a plan, the middle of your degree. Maybe you're in the middle of a goal, of a business uh, trajectory, and you're in the middle of a relationship, and you're hitting some challenges that you didn't expect. You're facing some things that was, were not planned, and now you're there. Whatever middle you are in, you will quickly come to realize whether now or later, soon, you will realize that winners and quitters are made in the middle winners and quitters are made right there not in the finish line because nobody quits there it's in the middle that you will face the opportunity to either go forward or end things right there and that's where Nehemiah 
was in halfway of his story. Nehemiah faced that very challenge. And we're going to go and look at the story of Nehemiah. I'm going to draw a couple lessons for you today from Nehemiah. Because the book of Nehemiah begins with him getting some bad news. It begins with him at his job. He had a fine job. He had a nice job. And he got some bad news from his brothers. They came in and they started sharing what had happened. See, the people of Israel, which was his, his uh, nationality, his, his, his ethnicity, he was, he was a Jewish man. And he, he, his city, his city, Jerusalem, had been uh, 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 sieged, besieged by the book of the Nezer. And he took all the good people. The ones, the rulers and the prosperous people. And he exiled them and took them to Babylon. And, that, and the book of the Nazar left a few people there. Basically the, 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 the outcasts. The one that, that didn't serve him much. And now uh, Nehemiah's brothers come back. The, the exile has ended. People are starting to move back and they can assess the city. They can assess what's happened to Jerusalem. And they go back. And bring him a bad report. It's a sad report. Things are not good. The, the walls are burned down. Everything is broken. They are, they are in rumbles and shambles. And, and things are not good in Jerusalem. And the people that were left, they are in shame. They are despised. They are poor. They are suffering. And that hits Nehemiah in his heart. And he becomes sad. And, and in his sadness, he begins to pray and cry out to God because... He, was, he, he had to do something. Now, he was in a position that bound him to the palace. He was a cupbearer for, for King Artaxerxes. And King Artaxerxes was the king of all of Persia. It was about year 20 of his reign. And, and he notices that Nehemiah is sad, that his face is down. And Nehemiah, throughout that whole process, had been praying for an opportunity. He had been praying to God that God would restore his people, that he would restore the glory of Jerusalem. And there he was now, asking God for an opportunity to make a difference. Even though he was bound to the palace, he wanted God to open an impossible door for him to leave his work in the, with the king and, and, and go on and, and repair the walls. And guess what? God made a way. The king asked him the question, what do you need? What are you asking? He went back and prayed a little more and he got some boldness and he said, listen, king, how can I be happy if the city where my parents were born, where I was born, is in shambles? It's, it's burned down. It's destroyed. I'd like to go back and, and help him rebuild it. And he, the king asked, how long, were you going to be, how long are you going to be gone? And so he shared with the king what he, what he was going to do. But not only that. He asked for supplies. He asked for the king's endorsement. He asked for the, the, the materials to build the walls of the city. The walls of the temple. And his own house. And he got it. He got everything he asked for. This is what scripture says in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 8. It says, And the king granted me what I asked. For the good hand of my God was upon me. Everything he asked for, he received. And it was a great, awesome beginning. And there's a little bit of attention here because some of us, we can see great beginnings. And we love great beginnings. And we engage in great beginnings. And we give ourselves to great beginnings. And when the beginning is great, 
there's almost an expectation that the, all the rest is going to be great too. That everything is going to be awesome. Look, God has blessed me. He opened the doors. I have the endorsement of the king. I have the materials. Everything is happening. Praise God. He gets there. And the doors begin to open for him to do what he needed to do. He gets there. And he was praying. And, and, and he surveyed the land. And he cast vision. And he told the people what he was going to do. And the people joined him. It was a beautiful, beautiful sight. But he was at the beginning. He was at the beginning. The beginning can be very good. The beginning can be deceiving because some people tell you the hardest thing is to start. Have you ever heard that saying? The hardest part is to begin. The hardest part is to start. If you start, you will finish. To be delicate, that's not always true. Because there was Nehemiah in a wonderful beginning, an amazing beginning, a miraculous beginning, a beginning full of resources and people came around him and he began to cast vision and we counted names yesterday of all the people that were building the wall and people began to assemble, heads of families, heads of ministries, heads of departments and they were going side by side by side. 46 names are, are, are listed of people that were working side by side. Not people. Them and their children. Them and their families. Them and their clans. Probably hundreds and hundreds of people came along Nehemiah and said, We are with you. Let's begin this thing. Let's make it happen. Because God was with him. God was with him. But here's what happened. I imagined it to be a beautiful picture, but when the work began, when results begin to appear, when, when, when and stones begin to be piled up and the wall begin to rise, they saw opposition. And opposition began because every time you do something great, you will see opposition. And I bet that if I asked you here this morning, if we were sitting one-on-one, -on -one, and I asked you, tell me about the last time you started to do something wonderful for your life. Like your study, your plannings, like in any project that you might have started. The moment you begin to see results, you begin to get some pushbacks. And that's what happened with Nehemiah. Some of the enemies begin to, begin to rise and, and, and criticize him. But this is a story where we find, we find lessons because here is a man who knew his purpose. He knew what he was made for. He finally discovered what he was there to do in life. He discovered why he existed and he engaged in the purpose and God opened the doors. And now here, there he is ready to do the work and he finds critics, incredible opposition, problems. As he began to do the work and the work began to Show promise. Now, here's a couple things that we learned from the story. We're going to go back to the text in a little bit. But there are two things that, that, that the opposition attacked. Two things that, 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 that he suffered attack in there. His faith and his work. The skill and the work of his hands and, and his spirit, his faith. Listen to what they began to say. They said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Begin to say things like, where are they going to restore the walls? Are they going to build it back up? What do they think that they're going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to sacrifice to their God again? 
What are they going to do? Are they going to finish up in a day? Somebody else started mocking them and saying, no, 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 what they're building, even if a fox goes up that wall, it's just going to fall down. What they're, they're building is, is, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look majestic. It doesn't look awesome. And the work really wasn't that impressive. Because when you start something and you get to the middle, sometimes it's not going to look like it's supposed to look in the end. And you might be there right now. You might be working on something, believing for something. And what you have to show might make your critics laugh. People might look at you and say, you're giving your life for that? You think that business is going to work? You think that idea is going to work? What? You're trying to do that? You're trying to work your skills in that? You are not that great. It doesn't look that great. Listen, it looks very fragile. Please, keep your day job. Please, what do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to get to where you're hoping to get? It was not very impressive because the middle sometimes is not impressive. But we draw lessons from this story because when he was halfway there and it was not pretty, Nehemiah did a couple of things that were very, very needed. He persevered. Listen to what happened. And he began to pray. And he kept building. He began to pray. And he kept building. Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 6 through 9. And it says, So we built the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Everybody was encouraged. Everybody was in it to win it. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were, being to, were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Guess what? He prayed. He prayed them away. And what happened? Things got worse. Now they're not just criticizing. Now they want to come and demolish what they did. Now they want to come and kill him. Now they want to come and threaten their very lives. The two things that the enemy wanted to do against Nehemiah are the same things that you will face today when you're in the middle. Remember what it says there? They came to fight and to confuse. And that's what your enemy and your opposition will try to do, to fight you, to push you back. And if he can't fight you, if he can't get you to quit, if he can't fight you down, your enemy will try to confuse you, to bring arguments in your mind. Did God really say that? Were we really supposed to do that? Are we really meant to do this? Come on now. Fight and confusion. That's what happens because the enemy doesn't want you to finish. But remember, both quitters and winners are made in the middle. And there was the people of Israel believing that God was going to give them strength. And they kept praying. And they kept praying. They kept praying. See, this is, this is what happens in our fight too. In our fight too. Because sometimes you know how to fight better. Sometimes you can identify when an enemy is coming to fight you. Sometimes you can identify when things are resisting you and pushing back on you. But sometimes it's harder to identify the confusion. Am I really supposed to do this? Am I really meant to 
do to, to start this business? Am I really meant to take this step of faith? Am I really meant to remain right now and keep doing what I'm doing? And I'm really supposed, am I really supposed to do that? The enemy will try to cause confusion. Try to make you think that God is not for you because you're facing obstacles. That's what happened to them. See, this is what I've realized in life, and we were talking about this last night at home. Nobody sets out to be an addict. Nobody sets out in life to, to have a bad marriage. Nobody sets out in life to, to be a bad student or have bad relationships. Nobody sets out to be an alcoholic. What happens is that when you're in the middle and the fight's been too long, you begin to get confused and you begin to search. You begin to search for remedies in areas that you shouldn't be searching remedies. And you begin to search for solutions in areas that can't deliver you solution, but they can, they can numb the pain. They can make you feel relieved for a little bit, even though it's not a sustainable or temporary relief. And many times, we don't set out to do it, but confusion can take you there. Confusion can take you to a place where you're so close to quitting that you're using things, you're doing things, you're saying things that you never meant to do or say because you've been fighting and there's something missing and you don't know what it is because you're confused. See, there's a reason why Nehemiah never got confused. There's a reason why he never let down. And if you can read through the book from the beginning to the end, this is one of the only books in Scripture, if not the only one, that there's no miracle in the sense that God shows up and just, there's no miracle. Like, things happen through one device and one device only. There are two things that they do, and these are the two lessons. But one is pretty evident to us in our culture today. The second one is something that we have to build. And in Nehemiah's life, it was evident. He never got confused or backed down for the fight. And here's what we find. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction. This is when they received the, the threat of death. And half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped on his side while he built. The man who surrounded the trumpet, the trumpet was beside me. The who sounded the trumpet, the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And this was what we learn from this scripture. There are two things that you got to do when you're in the middle. And when you're in the middle and you know you don't know what to do and you are faced with the idea of quitting, when you're in the middle and you don't know what to do, there are two things you got to do. The first one is you got to keep going. You got to keep the dream alive. You got to keep working. You got to keep, keep giving your all. You got to keep facing the opposition because opposition does not mean that you missed your mark. Hear me today. Opposition does not mean that God is not for you. Opposition does not mean that you're out from under God's blessing. Opposition means that your work is significant. 
That the purpose that God has for your life is significant and you will face opposition every time you set out to do something great. You will face opposition and opposition means that your work matters. So keep on going. Keep dreaming. Keep working. Keep engaging. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep pursuing. Keep studying because God is with you and what God ordains, he sustains. What God ordains in your life, He sustains. And the other thing that we got to do is as we work with one hand, as we give our all with one hand, as we labor with one hand, we got to hold our weapon with the other. And you have a weapon here today that can change the course of your life. You have a weapon here today that can change your mind. You have a weapon here today that can change your countenance, and your perspective. See, your approval does not lie with your critics. Your approval does not lie with opposition. Your approval does not mean that you got to have lack of opposition to be approved by God. Your approval is found in prayer. It's found in prayer. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, 17, and 18. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You pray for yourself. You pray for your friends. You pray for your family. You pray for your spouse. You pray for your situation. You pray, you pray, and you pray, and you keep praying. You keep working, and you keep praying. You keep working, and you keep praying. When Nehemiah heard the news that his city was down and the walls were in shambles and his countrymen were suffering, the first thing he did was tweet about it. He created a hashtag and he changed the world. (laughs) He prayed. And it's a beautiful prayer right there in chapter 1. He prayed. But guess what? There's a reason why Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah prayed because when the people got, when the people were besieged and they they were exiled, there was another person who prayed. Daniel. Prophet Daniel prayed that God would free his people. And if you read the prayer of Daniel in chapter 9 and you read the prayer of Nehemiah in chapter 1, you will see some amazing similarities there. And it's amazing to me that Nehemiah is the answer to Daniel's prayer. But not only that, Nehemiah keeps praying. When he's supposed to speak to the king, his authority, the guy who can make it or break it, he doesn't craft a nice, maybe he did, but you don't see that in scripture, him crafting a nice recommendation letter or a, a petition. He prayed. He prayed to God. When the enemies came and threatened him, guess what he did? He prayed. And he prayed again, God, look at them. Look at what they're doing to your people. Let them have it, Lord. If you you really read that prayer, that was a, a naked, unabashed prayer of God. Just come and tear them down right now. Because look at what they're doing to your people. Because in prayer, that's what you do. You give God your heart and you trust him as you are. You trust him with your emotions, with your fears, with your anger. You just give it all to God and you let him Do what he does best. See, some of you, you know how to work hard. 
and I'm here telling you, keep going because God is for you. And you know how to do that. But when it comes to prayer, it's a little bit harder for you. Because you're not used to fighting things in the spirit realm. You're used to getting things on your own, to hustling and doing things and doing the work and going on the computer and creating the resume and doing the things that you know how to do. I'm asking you today to do your work. Keep going. But also, don't forget what you got to do with your other hand. You hold the sword of the Spirit. You pray and you bring it to God. You ask God for your things because that's how you fight it. That's how you win. That's how you, you fight your battles. And that's how you win. See, prayer makes a difference in the middle. When you're in the middle and you don't know if you're going to finish, when you're in the middle and you have the opportunity to quit, prayer can change your situation. It can change your life. You see all through scriptures. The people were in captivity. They were suffering. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And they prayed. And God sent Moses. We're just reading a story about Nehemiah praying. Prayer works. Alini shared a little bit of our story last Sunday. And it's too much to share, but on, on that dilemma, he shared about a dilemma that we were in. Should we move away from Houston or should we not? And she prayed about her job. We were praying together. We were praying bold prayers. And I remember being at home on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, being at home on a Wednesday. It was that same week. And it, there, was, there was a little bit of tension. Should we go? Should we not go? God told us to stay here. And I said, God, we need a sign. If I don't get a job by the end of this week, we're going because I can see that you are not in this hand, in this in this thing here your hand is not upon us anymore I need a sign next day there was an answer a message in my answering machine from a job application that I had I had submitted seven months prior the guy called in and said we're ready for you when can you interview I said Friday I went in on Friday quit my job on Saturday I started on Monday because prayer works I can tell you story and story after story when you go to God with prayer and you give Him your life, things can change. We were talking about moving here in our office at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. And we were sharing the story with people when we were ready to share. And we went to this office and there was a, a, a praying woman who was, she was an executive assistant to one of the senior, the, 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 the assistant pastors there. And Alini shared with her, hey, we're, we're going to Connecticut to start a church there. And her immediate reaction was, oh, they've been praying for you to come. And we had never thought from that perspective. We thought we're alone and God is sending us and we're going to have to hustle. And she just said, they've been praying for you to come. There are people there who are asking God for a church that they can be a part of, for something to happen. And when we moved, we began to meet some of you who had been praying for a community, a body. Prayer works. Would God move two crazy young adults across country with a little baby to start a church in Stanford, Connecticut? Yes, he would. He would do it for you. He would. Now, we're not the answer. We're not. I'm not saying this to... to Brag on us. I'm saying this to brag on God. That God will do anything to supply your needs and make and needs and make sure that you can finish well. Amen. So my encouragement and challenge to you today, because this series is going to challenge you a little bit, is to dig your heels in. Do not quit because you're not a quitter. You're a winner. And as you do, hold with your hand 
the work that God has given you. Do not let go. Hold on with your hand the work and the purpose that he has put in your life because he will not falter. And with your other hand, use your weapon. And your weapon is prayer. Do you receive it this morning? Let's stand.